Halo. It's finished. No. I think we're just getting started. Hello and welcome to The Long and Short of It, the podcast where we discuss each video game featured in the Metacritic Top 100 list. My name is Lawrence and I'm joined by... This is Dan, welcome to the episode. So this week we are discussing Halo Combat Evolved that came out in 2001. Um, This one was Dan's choice, so I'll let you kind of kick off with this one, Dan. Okay, so um, this was Xbox's big starting game. Um, So on Metacritic's list, it is number 21. It scored 97. So just to explain a bit about Metacritic's list, basically what they do is they take review scores from certain critics and they kind of weight them as well. So some reviewers will get a higher weight than others and it will then combine all those scores and work out the average so that's how they work out the metacritic scores so this one scored quite highly um so what did you think of it well we've got a history with the last two episodes of saying that we don't mind the games but when we talk about them quite a lot it seems that we kind of hate them um (laughs) with with halo I quite enjoyed it. I because I completed it a few days before you, didn't I? Um, yeah. And we we text kind of between um, between episodes, just seeing how we're getting on. Um, and there were elements that I wasn't a massive fan of with Halo, but overall of the three games that we've played so far, this is the one that I've enjoyed the most. I'd say. What about you? Yeah, um, I definitely did enjoy it. I don't know if I enjoyed it the most. Um, it definitely grew on me. Um, I was actually recording some footage for the video version of this podcast yesterday. So I replayed a couple of levels and I actually really enjoyed it. I think when you kind of get your head around the way the game works, uh, you start to enjoy this one. Um, So I had a good time with it in the end, but it did take some time for me to get there. The the issues I have with this game, and I know that you have as well, uh, parts of it are, are quite repetitive. Um, but I think a lot of that comes from the design that Bungie does overall anyway, because if you think to Destiny, um, like everyone loves Destiny, the shooting, the physics, etc. However, when you break it down, Destiny is also quite a repetitive game. Um, same for Halo. I mean, what were your thoughts on the, um, cause I know you, you look quite a lot into the level design and stuff, didn't you? Yeah, so um, just going back to Destiny quickly, uh, I yeah. recent I never played the original Destiny. In fact, I only played it when I played it briefly with you, um, and it didn't really leave a lasting impression on me. It's no. to me. I said to you when I first started playing this Halo because I'd never I'd never played Halo properly before. I played Halo Two briefly on multiplayer. Uh, it was just one of those games that I missed. So this was really a first time for me. Um, so when I first played Destiny, Destiny 2, in fact, um, I just couldn't get on board with it. 
it was just a bit too generic sci-fi military shooter for me. And I texted you saying the same thing about this one. Um, yeah, you said exactly that. Yeah, and when you first boot this game up, it just screams generic sci-fi military shooter. Um, but after a little while, you do it starts to, to weigh you down. Um, so in terms of the level design, some of the levels... Uh, like the silent cartographer which is on an island and you're in your warthog to begin with you're driving around the island and eventually you kind of gain access to i don't know if it's a base or a facility near the center of the island um, and you hit a locked door so then you have to go back out you have to drive back around the beach uh, to unlock the door um but the level design here is really uh, impressive. I was surprised when I first played this level to be driving around the beach to only realise that I'd actually got back to my starting position. And then I realised it was basically a big circle with the whole map being an island that you could explore. Um, conversely to that is a level that I know you loved, which is the library which is basically one level of a facility and you do that and you do the exact same thing on the second level of the facility and then the third level all the way up to the top where you just get a complete barrage of enemies (laughs) before the end. I know you love this one. It's just monotonous. (laughs) It like... It kind of takes the window out of your sails because you're going from one bit to another bit. And you're like, yeah, this is fine. This is good. And then you get to missions like that because there's a few of them where it's just repetitive and it kind of drains you a little bit. Um, I mean, I like I said, I really enjoyed this game, but there were certainly elements to it that just kind of tried my patience. Um, and I know... In saying that, we're we're looking back on this for a game that came out in 2001. And when this game came out, realistically, there hadn't really been anything like this before, had there? Um, Like a few bits and bobs, but nothing as big. There's a very clear history in terms of um, console shooters that really pushed the boundaries. So first, obviously, the big one that people may remember is when Doom came out on uh, your Super Nintendo. And the next big one for me, which I know that everyone is very aware of, is GoldenEye. Um, GoldenEye really pushed the idea of what you could do with a first-person shooter in a 3D environment on console. And I'm sure everyone remembers the multiplayer on that game, which was just brilliant at the time. Um, that's on the list somewhere as well. Um, the next one after that I can think of is Perfect Dark, uh, which again it's basically really refined Gold what GoldenEye did. Yeah, so it's ma- it's made by Rare, who also made GoldenEye. It was um, basically their spiritual sequel to GoldenEye, yeah. uh, and it's really really good. It holds up really well in my opinion. The um, the single player is a lot more fleshed out than GoldenEye, um, and then you didn't really get anything that pushed the genre forward until Halo. Um, So this is the next big step for everyone. Um, The thing that I got really fed up with, with Halo, 
was the amount of I don't even know how to describe them. I keep saying um, I keep saying facilities or basically you get all the indoor environments which are alien spaceship type things. There are just so many and they just look identical and it's really hard to find your way around them. And I said to you as well, another thing that I said was that it looks like a map maker um, in a video game where you're putting together rooms and they just all look the same and it never really feels like it's got its own identity. Um, so you found the library really tedious and I found the one after that. Um, there's one where you, you're basically working back through a place and it's got the outdoor, the really large snowy areas. And then you have to go, I'm not even oh, quite sure know, what you're yeah, doing, but you're kind about. of destroying these things by walking into them. Um, they're like energy things and you, you have to yes. walk right into them to destroy them. So you're finding them. But the amount of, yeah. uh, this level's really long. And the amount of things that you're doing that just look and feel repetitive, it really hit me here. And this is where I kind of got a bit, bit fed up of it. Um each of the levels is really long. Uh, they're really long levels. I don't know how you felt about that. The thing I felt with the levels is, for the most part, I thought that a lot of the areas, like we said, looked the same or repetitive. But the areas that did stand out really stood out, if you know what I mean. So there wasn't any kind of, oh, this is all right, this is all right. Like The stuff that was memorable was memorable for a reason. Um, and I think that's a big reason as to why Halo was so exp uh, expensive. Um, not expensive. What's the word I'm looking for? Expensive? Popular? popular? Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Because there, there'd never really been anything of that size before. Like when you look back to GoldenEye, um, you had missions like, um, is it Sylvania? Uh, you mean Siberia? The Yeah, 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 Siberia. Um, and it's a massive open space and there's not much in there. Whereas with Halo, obviously, this was a console generation after uh, GoldenEye and the N64, so they could push a lot more what they could do with it. Um, but I'm not sure if you if you knew, because obviously with Halo, it's, um, it's a big console. Well, it was a big console pusher for the Xbox when it came out. Um, but did, did you know that before it came out on the Xbox, it was originally supposed to be a Mac exclusive, and Steve Jobs... I did. Yeah, they um, Apple revealed it, didn't they, at a um, at one of their keynotes? So historically, Bungie had worked with Apple to make games for the Mac, and before Halo looked the way that it did, it was a strategy game. Um, so they kind of retweaked it to make it into the game that we know and see now. To follow on from what you said. Um, you get those levels in Goldeneye. It's not even that they're empty. They're just quite condensed and you, you can hit the wall of yes. them. But in Halo, they they made it much more expansive. So these levels are huge, even by today's standards. You don't often get a single level in a first-person shooter that is as big as the levels in Halo. And for the most part, they're intelligently done so that you won't hit invisible walls or you won't hit um, things that are just there to barricade your progress. 
um, you've got the sea, and obviously you can't go any further into the sea because yeah. it's the sea to stop you going um, outside the boundaries. Um, I would still say it's a bit empty uh, when you're when you're walking around, when you're driving around. But um, these these levels were big enough to have the warthog that you could drive around. They were big enough that you could use the thing to fly. Um, is it the ghost? And there's one that yeah, ghost. There's one that goes along the land as well, which is kind of like a glider. Um, so it was just really a big hit because of that. Also, the multiplayer, I think, at the time was just huge. Oh, yeah. It was just unlike anything else. It was when Xbox it Live... Deathmatch. Exactly. It was when Xbox Live kind of kicked off, wasn't it? Um, and... I think that might have been Halo 2. Really? I think it was Halo 2. Yeah, I think Halo 2 was when... Um, they started implementing Xbox okay. Live to it. I think Halo 1 was just a four-player deathmatch, but... Got you. I mean, anyone that's played four-player deathmatch with friends is just the best yeah, thing Yeah, well, I mean, it? I, I think a... console online gaming was pushed harder by Microsoft than it was by Sony. Because um, people have been playing online games for years, but it was primarily on computers, wasn't it? You had games like Unreal Tournament, Quake... Um, you know, Half Life, all those kind of games that people were playing online, and it wasn't until Microsoft pushed Xbox Live, um, with like you say, Halo Two, um, that it became such a massive thing, um, that's you know become what it has today. And I know you're similar to me; you're not a massive fan of online uh, multiplayer games. No, nope. um, I, I don't like them mainly because I'm crap at them. Um, you know, everyone I play with is always 10 times better than me. Um, but, you know, I think Microsoft have, you know, they can put their hands up and say that they were the people that really pushed um, online gaming to be what it is today. Because Sony weren't really at the forefront of that, I don't think. I agree. Um, PS2 did have some online functionality. Mm. Yeah. Um, I remember the Metal Gear Solid... Uh, online thing they released around Metal Gear Solid Three. Do you remember that? Yeah, I never played it. Um, I didn't either, but it looked it looked pretty cool. But it was one of the only games I think to use that. Um, and GameCube again had a bit as well. I remember they had Fantasy Star Online. Um, so you had odd games using it on PS2 and GameCube. But yeah, it was it was really Microsoft pushing for that and making it as standard in the Xbox 360, which really paved the way to where we are today and they're kind of doing a similar thing in pushing the industry forward in terms of the services they provide with their game pass they've got at the moment um and i'm really impressed by game pass and i really think that sony should well um take some things that microsoft's doing with that and sony has got um playstation now which is very similar to Game Pass, except instead of downloading the games, you stream them. Um, but to be honest with you, I think I've always been more of a Sony PlayStation boy growing up. Um, but <laughs> a Sony I'll, pony. Um, Sony pony, that's me. <laughs> um, but I think Microsoft is way ahead of the um, the mark. And I think, I mean, we're going a bit off topic, but when you look at the current console generation... At the start of the generation, I'd say that Sony um, were winning the the console war. Um, 
you know, which is the term that a lot of people use. But I think as the years have gone on, and as we're coming to the end of this console generation with, you know, the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5 being confirmed, I think that Microsoft has kind of taken the mantle a little bit. Um, because I, I think they, they started off rocky with the Xbox One yeah. massively. Um, but I think they've really pulled it back, especially when they yeah. brought out the um, the Xbox One X um, and they got rid of the, the main console version that looked like a VCR player. Um you know they've they've really pulled it back, um, and you know Halo is still a massive staple of Microsoft and Xbox to this day. You know they're still releasing Halo games. Um, so I think if you if you look at if you look at the numbers, I think Sony has won this generation hands down. Yeah. Um, but I, I I completely agree with what you're saying. I think what Microsoft has started doing is laying the groundwork for next generation. And history has shown us when they do that, they can do a really good job. I mean, the 360 did really, really well because uh, Microsoft just got ahead yeah. with it. Um, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with next generation. Primarily, I buy Sony and Nintendo consoles, and then I'll buy Microsoft yeah, consoles if they entice me at a later date, which is what they have done with this generation. Um, I think what makes Game Pass so good is that these are a lot of new games coming into Game Pass, um, which, I mean, I was surprised to see that Kingdom Hearts 3 has now come to Game Pass. Um, yeah. That's a game that came out not, last that's year. That's not an old game. Yeah. No, it's a huge game. And how much money must they be paying to Square to get Kingdom Hearts 3 on that service? You're never going to see anything like that on PlayStation now as it stands. So um, I do hope that Sony does make some changes to that. Um, yeah, it's a bit off topic, but I mean, these are interesting things to discuss, aren't they? Yeah, I think so. Um, something that we discuss every week as well that we've not mentioned yet is the version that we've played. Um, I think we've both played the same version for this. Oh, obviously yes. we've both played on Xboxes because that's the only console you can play Halo on. Um, <laughs> so I played the Anniversary Edition, which I think you did as well, didn't you? Yes, yes. So it was the Master Chief Collection, yeah. Which is so I think uh, I think there's a bit of a difference between the Anniversary Edition that was released on the 360 and the Master Chief Collection. I think they made some uh, changes to it for the better. So um, this is, as I understand, the definitive way to play Halo, and it is. It's good. Um, did you play it? One of the one of the really cool features of this uh, version of Halo is that you can, on the fly, change between the modern day graphics and the old school Halo graphics. Literally at the the press of a button, and it there's no loading between them. It's it's amazing, really. Um, so, which one did you play? I did. I didn't see that. Did you not? I um. I I, I no. I knew that that was a feature, but I didn't think to look when I was playing. You just it press the back between. the back button, and it will just change it oh, on really? the fly. Yeah. I didn't know that. It's really um, it's really interesting because what what you'll see is that some of the levels they really change the look of them a lot. Yeah. And I might even say that the original um Xbox version was a bit more atmospheric. Yeah, you than often find the that remastered with, with older games when they get um remastered or whatever a lot of the not the heart but when you say atmosphere 
I think when graphics weren't as good as they are today, it lets your imagination work a lot more. I mean, I've I've just got off playing yeah. the um the Final Fantasy VII remake demo. Um and to anyone that listens to this that knows me, knows that Final Fantasy VII is my favourite game in the entire world. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, so that's news to you. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> yeah, I mean, playing that remake, it's 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 amazing and it's incredible. And I'm sure you've probably seen some of the reviews for the demo that have come out over the past few days. Um, yeah. But this is a game that's being remade, remade from the from the ground up, and it completely changed the atmosphere and the feel of the original game because, you know, Final Fantasy VII on the PS1 was one of the um, the earlier games, and for people that haven't played FF7 originally on the PS1, I don't think someone could just pick it up and go into that game now because it just it hasn't aged particularly well, and someone getting into it would just be like, what the hell am I playing? Um, but I think Square have done a good job in keeping the uh, the feel for FF7, even though it's basically an entirely new game. Um, how did you how did it, how did it make you feel playing it? Um, we're going off topic topic again, but I think that I've been very dubious about Final Fantasy VII remake because there's so much hype behind it. Because um, I remember when when it was announced in 2015, I was really excited. Um, and it's usually the case that I'll play through Final Fantasy 7 once or twice every couple of years um, and I think as time's gone on I've been trying to distance myself a lot from it because I don't want to be disappointed because Final Fantasy 7 is such an important part of my um, kind of gaming history I suppose um, and I really don't want it to be bad and from playing this demo I don't think it will be you know the the graphics are incredible the, the atmosphere is still there. They've got voice acting now, which they didn't have in 1997. Um, you know, the music's incredible. And a lot of the original team that put that game together are back on it um, for this this one. They're, they're breaking up into episodes, which I'm not particularly fond of. But I'm looking forward to it, but I'm being very... Um, I'm dubious. Like I'm... I'm not entirely sold on it yet. Cautious. Yeah, I'm very cautious because I just don't want to overhype it the way that, like, when No Man's Sky did, that was overhyped to high hell and it could never live up to the expectations. And I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a, that's a little kind of sidetrack. I'm going to hold off playing until whenever they all get released onto one disc. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think what they're doing with the uh, the box. Is a bit sneaky because they're just putting the. What, what are they doing with it? So they're putting um, Final Fantasy Seven. Um, I think it just says remake on the front, but they're not yeah. saying part one. So you have to actually turn yeah. the box over to see that it's part one. But I, I think that's just really misleading. Well, um, and I know there's a, there's a lot of conversation about that going on at the moment, but yeah. I think it's really misleading. It, it's, it's the same as what they did with Hitman in 2016 when they released that in episodes. Um, you know, yeah, but they, I mean, initially that was only online, so um, it wasn't. They only released it in box form when all the episodes were out. So it's a bit, it's a bit, it's a bit different. But yeah, yeah we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I wasn't, I'm not, a, not a fan of the way they're doing that. But um, I think when you're playing any game, 
any older game. In order to really enjoy it, I, I actually think you can enjoy a game um, from a certain time today. I just think you have to really cast your mind yeah. back to what it was like to play at that time. Um, I can go back and play a very old game and I can um, start to think, oh, these graphics were really good when you think about what was going on at the time and you can really start to appreciate what the game was doing. Um, I think we did that uh, to a degree with Halo. An example of what you've just said is in 2015, 20, yeah, it was 2015, um, my friend james um friend of the show has commented on our youtube videos i wanted to get him into the metal gear solid series and i said to him i was like look download mgs1 on the ps3 and play through it and let me know what you think and i think he played up until like the the first screen where you go up the elevator he struggled to get past that and i think it's because he hadn't grown up with that game and because we've changed in terms of the way that we see things the way that we play things he just couldn't quite get his head around it. There is a level of nostalgia there for these old games, Halo included. But I think that people going in blind to these games that are, you know, like with Grim Fandango, we went into that completely blind. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people that grew up playing that game would probably look at our criticisms of it and just be like, no, you're wrong. Yeah. But because they've played that game, but because we hadn't and we'd gone in blind with our mentality that's in 2020, not in you know the late 90s um it's a different experience isn't it yeah i think you've got to know what you're getting in for and i think we didn't quite know 100 percent what we were getting in for with grim fandango i enjoyed halo a lot more yeah and i'm looking forward to playing halo 2 and 3 which are also on the list and actually playing more of them i played halo before but i never completed it so the only one out of those three that I have completed and played all the way through is Halo 3. Um, and I don't think I've ever played Halo 2. But I know amongst the gaming community, not so much game reviewers, that Halo 2 is considered probably to be the strongest. So I'm looking forward to playing through those. But I mean, with with Halo itself, we've said that the level design does vary. Uh, and I think that's probably just a product of its time that it came out. Yeah. Um, and the pacing... Sometimes it's good, sometimes not so much. But you were talking to me before we started about how it kind of feels dynamic um, and the physics, etc. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah, so um, I think as well, I heard that they were, um, towards the end, they were trying to rush this game out the door a bit. So they had to wrap it up. I think it was actually uh, finally put together quite quickly which may um, explain some of the shortcomings that we've noticed. Um, for me, the pacing was too slow. Was, uh, the levels were too long. Um, that's one of my larger criticisms of it. But you can still enjoy it despite that. Yeah, so um, we've not really talked about the gameplay itself. The gameplay is the thing that's held up remarkably well. Uh, it's such a fun game to play. Especially the shooting. Yeah, so it, it's, such a, it's such a fun game to play. Um, and there is a dynamism to the gameplay. So even today, there there's some basic physics in there. Um, I don't know if you ever saw, there was a video of someone um, basically making the warthog fly across the map, hitting a wall, um, 
just using physics because there's a there's a decent physics and engine in there um so that was really impressive and when you're playing it when i, I when i replayed yesterday uh it's just really dynamic i uh, i decided to drive the warthog as far as i could into the interior until there was a door that i couldn't get through but i got pretty far into it just driving the warthog um it's just things like that that you don't expect that you can do, but the game gives you the freedom to do. And it feels so good to play with the controller. It was one of the first games, I think, to really nail that kind of um, dual analog stick first-person shooter with the camera and movement. And it did a really great job of that. So I think this is where it really carved its way with first-person shooters and what other first-person shooters just stole from it. Yeah, I think... Um, also for the the uh, the uninitiated, a warthog is a uh, it's like a big jeep thing that you can drive around. Um, just so everyone's in the loop. Yes. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of um, FPS games um, stole, not stole, but took a lot from Halo, um, especially when you look at sci-fi shooters, because largely sci-fi shooters are very similar. Um, you know, there's there's rarely something about them that will stick out. Obviously, we've mentioned Destiny, and Destiny was incredibly popular. I couldn't really see it myself, but people like what they like. But I think that Halo has given quite a lot to um, just gaming as a whole, to the point where it's obviously still popular because they're still making Halo games, with one coming out relatively soon, I think. Yes, there's one coming out with the uh, Xbox Series X, uh, which looks stunning from what I've seen. Um, It was the first game to do the whole Space Marine thing, wasn't it? Uh, I actually think sci-fi shooters can be quite different. I think it all comes down to how much horror they put into the game. For example, if you look at um, something like Alien Isolation and you compare it to this, it's just a a world away and actually um the one level which i think really stood out to me uh, which 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 is going to get me on something else with this game um is the level where you it's raining you're outside you're doing a bit of fighting but it's the first time that the combat's really paired back and something different is going on and they've got this weird creepy music playing and then you make your way into another facility and then you go down on a long elevator and you're introduced to everyone's favourite, the Flood. Mm. Now, <laughs> um, I know how you feel about the Flood. It's the worst. But actually, the, the atmospherics with this level and just, um, I thought, where is this going? I didn't expect that. And that very old spoiler had not been spoiled for me so the fact that you're not just fighting is it i think it's the covenant the covenant i think covenant yeah i was thinking combine where's the combine from is that uh i don't know um that's from that's from a farm okay um yeah so (laughs) so so i i didn't i didn't know the flood was gonna be there so i went to this level and i just thought well something's going on here and I wasn't massively against the flood, only because 
for me, the best weapons to use in this game are the human weapons. Oh, 100%. Um, the machine gun, the, the handgun, the shotgun. They've just got so much punch. And when you're fighting the Flood, they give you so much ammo for those weapons. Whereas in the normal missions, when you're fighting the you Covenant, like you don't get... You stuff. have to use the alien weaponry, which I just hated. Yeah. So the, the alien weaponry just felt like pea shooters. <laughs> and the human weaponry felt really punchy. So I really like using the shotgun, so I was just going around blasting the Flood with a shotgun. Um, so uh, how do you feel about the Flood? Oh, they were just annoying. Um, it wasn't so much the bigger um, enemies. It was like the small ones that can kind of reanimate dead bodies. Um, they're just yeah. so irritating because they just jump at you and they're a lot harder to shoot. Um, I mean, I knew that the Flood was a thing because I played Halo 3. And in Halo 3, there's a mission where you go into the heart of the Flood. Um, so I knew that, that they were a thing. I didn't know that they were in Halo 1. Because um, like I said, I'd never completed this one. Um, but yeah, they just irritated me. And the levels where, like the library, where it's repetitive, you're just going round and round and round. And then the, the Flood just come in. And then there's another wave of them and another wave of them and another wave of them. It just... It got tiring, but at the same time, I can understand why they're good enemies because they're weird. They keep coming at you. They don't really let up. So it's good enemy design. It's just, to me, it was annoying enemy design. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you're fighting the Covenant, it encourages range shooting, so you're shooting them from afar. Whereas when you're fighting the Flood, you have to get up close and personal with them. Um, so it's uh, it takes away all the comforts of fighting the Covenant and you just got to fight them up close. And when they're up close, they can do a lot of damage to you. So it really changes the dynamic of the game. Um, one thing I didn't like was the crawling uh, flood that you mentioned. Yeah. Their design is rubbish. <laughs> they just look like tree spider things. They just look so like- bad. It's not scary. I was trying to draw all. a comparison as to what you could say they're like, and the only thing I can think of is like the face huggers from Alien, but they're not even like that. Do you know what I mean? They're they're weird. No, I mean the face huggers were scary, but they just weren't. They were just I don't know. I don't even know how to describe them. We've we've not really mentioned one of the big points about Halo yet, which is um, the characters. So the big two, obviously Master Chief and Cortana um, to the point where Cortana is such a popular character that Microsoft because they've got a um, they've got like their little home thing haven't they like Amazon's got Alexa um, Google's got Google Home I think Microsoft has got one called Cortana Um, and that was quite heavily linked in with the Xbox One when it first got released with the Kinect you could just say Cortana Xbox One I never put that together did you not? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. So yeah, Cortana. Um <clears throat> one of the one of the most um recognizable gaming characters I'd say is Master Chief. You know, like you've got Mario, you've got the Solid yeah. Snake. Uh but Master Chief's definitely up there. He's not the biggest. Um but I think if someone saw like someone with a vague knowledge of gaming saw Master Chief, they'd say, "Oh, I know him. Xbox you know? Yeah, exactly. I think he's Xbox's biggest character by far. Easily. Um, 
I liked I liked Master Chief. I liked Cortana. I think they laid the basis for those characters well. They were likable. I mean, you don't get any riveting story beats here. No. But uh, they did enough, I think. Um, the story is quite bare bones, yeah, isn't it? It's it's so bare bones to the point where I struggled to follow it because I just didn't feel that there was much there. Um, <laughs> it's very basic. It, this this game's mostly based around the gameplay, isn't it? The story is just there to say that there's a story. Um, yeah. You know, it's not quite. Uh, I don't know, Metal Gear Solid. You know, <laughs> it's not a complicated um, tale. It's just go here, do this, do this, shoot stuff, game end. And uh, a lot of these supporting cast look like Thunderbirds, so there's that. <laughs> yeah, the um, is it Commander Keys, the um, the Marine Commander? Oh, like. <laughs> Just look like Scott Tracy from Thunderbirds. Just look like Clay Thunderbirds. Just like Captain Scarlet. <laughs> That's the first thing I thought when I when I when I booted this game up. I was like, "Whoa, what do they look like?" Uh, so that was good. So was was this when you were playing it on the old graphics or the th- new this one? This was the new graphics. <laughs> so I, d- I don't know. Uh, well, it's just character models have aged not very well. I think I um, character models is the is the area that they just. Uh, improve most with new console generations isn't it hair and things but like it's, that every every skin shaders. every time that they release something new um you know we we say to ourselves oh this is amazing this is incredible i am um, i'm just coming to the end of listening to an audiobook because with work i drive around a lot so i listen to audiobooks and podcasts and i'm listening to a book called hey listen which is um kind of Navi. a book that goes over the history of um, gaming for the past kind of 30 years um, and you know it's I've completely lost my train of thought <laughs> what, Hey Listen what, 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 inspired what, what, by the fairy Navi from Ocarina of Time yes um, what 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 were we just discussing because I completely lost my train of thought there just uh, about how um, generationally yes. um, yeah that's it we make leaps forward so he said that um, the guy who's narrating the book, he says that, you know, when um, the PS1 came out, you know, back in the mid 90s, he remembers looking at that and saying, wow, this is it. It's never going to look better than this. This is photorealistic. Um, and I remember thinking that of a few PS1 games at the time when I played Star Wars Episode 1, The Phantom Menace. There were some FM- FMV uh, <laughs> cutscenes in there. I was like, this is incredible. And I mean, if, you know, 12, 13-year-old me could have seen the stuff that people play now. It would blown my mind. Yeah. I always think that um, animation is where you can make your graphics look so much better than they are. Um, so just a little spoiler, next um, episode we're doing, we're going to be doing on Metal Gear Solid yep. 2. And I think though there's PS2 Metal Gear Solid games because they... The animation is still so good. Those cuts yeah, still look great. I'd agree. Um, I'd say as they've aged, they, they get better, obviously. So MGS3 looks a lot better than MGS2. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get to that when we've both finished. We'll save that for the next episode. Um, so uh, does Halo deserve the yep. legacy that it's I got? I think so. 
Um, and I don't say that because usually when I say yes to the last two games, I say that with some reservation. Um, but with this, I think absolutely. Um, I don't think FPS games and especially sci-fi FPS games would be in the same position that they're in today if Halo wasn't a thing. Um, I think Bungie... I think they might be. I think um, I think they might be in, a, in the same place, but it would be a different game that, that did yeah. it. But it was the game that did it. So Yeah, I agree. I think that from, from playing it all the way through now, finally... Um, it's it, it holds up. Um, there's a lot in there that's enjoyable. There's some stuff in there that is not so much and is a bit irritating, but I think that's the same with most games um, these days. Um, but overall, I enjoyed it. I don't think I'd put it as high up on the list as it is currently, because uh, it's currently number 21. Um, I don't think I'd put it as high as it is up there, because I think the only shooter well first person shooter that's above it is perfect dark isn't it yeah so metroid prime's above it as well but um as we mentioned before the podcast they're vastly different games yeah 100 percent. what would you what would you say about halo and its legacy um from a from a technical standpoint from what it did mechanically from the gameplay i think it 100 percent was revolutionary um, and it was the next big step after Goldeneye and Perfect Dark. And it's really important historically. Um, it, would it be in my top 100? Probably not. Would I play it again? Probably. I would. And that's... I mean, I've got no intention to pick up GTA 4 again. Or Grim Fandango. So it's the first one that I would play again. Because I enjoyed it generally. But I don't think it would be in my personal top 100, but I can understand why it is so revered. And I do think it has earned its place in gaming history. Um, It's warranted. There's something that we've neglected to mention as well about this game, which is the the score, the music. Oh, yeah. The music quality. So good. Because a lot of the game, there isn't music playing, but then occasionally the music will kick in when you're doing like a set piece or like a lot of actions going on and it does really get you in the mood for it the music in this game's quality a lot of people know the music of halo anyway like you've got the um the main theme which is um i think it's monks isn't it um i th- i think so i don't know um but like the main halo theme itself um is incredibly well known you've got a few of the other tracks in there as well that are well known for being in halo um, so I think overall the music in this game is excellent um, and it is top notch and I'd say the music is probably even though we almost forgot to mention it um, is the thing that I liked the most about this game I think yeah I think it's its strongest suits apart from the gameplay I think together with the gameplay when you're getting towards the end of a mission so usually a mission will have you breaking into an alien facility and then you usually have to make your way back out. So when you're blasting through your enemies and the music just amps up, it's brilliant. It yeah, really absolutely. is. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, just, I'd say uh, to, um, yeah. to anyone that is interested, um, just go on YouTube and type in Halo theme, Halo theme, Halo theme song um, and give it a listen because it's um, 
the, the main theme of the the game and the series is very atmospheric, um, and it is some of the best music in gaming, I'd say. Um, you know, so yes, I think that we agree on this one that we can see why it's in this list, and we also both quite enjoyed it. I would recommend you actually play this one, unlike um, Grim Fandango. Uh, you can still get something out of this one, and it's worth playing. Yeah. I can't really say anything, any, give it any more endorsement yeah, than that. I mean, depending on what console you play it on, you'll be able to pick it up relatively cheap. If you pick up the original um, for the original Xbox, I think you can still play that on the Xbox 360. Um, and to be fair, it's probably backwards compatible on the Xbox One as well. Um, but failing that, if you go on Xbox One and you've got Game Pass, the Master Chief Collection's on there. So, you know, you've got um, ODST, Halo 1, Halo 2, Halo 3 and Halo 4. Um, so you know that's Halo Reach. Uh, is is it Halo Reach that's on there, not ODST? Halo Reach. Um, I don't know about ODST, so I know it's got one, two, three, four, uh, and it's got Reach, and you can also get five. Yes. On Game Pass as well, can't you? Yeah. Because six yeah, is the one it. that's coming out. Um. So yeah, you've got options there if you do fancy going to try this one out. Um. As Dan said, next week, um, well, in a fortnight's time when we release these, it was my choice this time round, so I decided to go for Metal Gear Solid 2. Um, Metal Gear Solid's my favourite gaming series. Final Fantasy VII is my favourite game, but MGS is my favourite gaming series. And we'll see how this one goes, because I've played through this game a billion times, but it's my least favourite of the entire series. So uh... It's not my least favourite of the series, Um I've also played it many, many times. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to discussing it. I think we're going to have a good discussion about this one. Yeah, 100%. So, have you got anything left to add? No, um, just thanks for sticking around. Um, lots of big episodes coming up. And we'll see you on Metal Gear Solid. We shall indeed. Um, if you want to get a video form version of this podcast, check us out on Subtext on YouTube, which is Dan's YouTube channel, uh, where he does a few gaming dissection reviews on there. We're on Spotify, iTunes, same as what I said last week. If you are listening on any of those, and if you have time or you feel inclined to, um, please do give us a rating on iTunes because it really helps with exposure and helping other people to find us. Um I've set up a Twitter account as well for this podcast, which is called um, on Twitter the Long Short of, um, because we can't get the full name on there because it's too long. So thanks Twitter. Um, but yeah, just um, if you've got any comments or thoughts on what you want us to do or any feedback, it's always greatly appreciated. Um, feel free to leave comments on SoundCloud, YouTube, or just reach out to us directly. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time for MGS2. It's really great to hear uh, how other people found these games and what their memories are of them. And if you want us to cover any games um, sooner than we might do, uh, then get in contact with us and yes. uh, we'll see what we can do. We've already got the next two games planned out, haven't we? Um, yeah. After MGS. But um, yeah. all will be revealed but um, yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll speak to you soon. Cheers. Cheers. See you later. Bye. Bye.